My husband Joey and I met when we were 17 in high school. I used to kind of joke around and say that I always wanted five kids when um, I got married and had kids and he wanted two so we decided to compromise and say Lord willing we would have three kids. So we had our third child, a 20 month old little boy. We got a very big double surprise with um, twins. So now we are a family of seven with five kids under the age of six. I was confirmed here at Hope. Grew up in the church. Um, I've seen it grow from, you know, just a few families to now the thousands of families that go here. And it's really special for me that our family is a part of Hope and all the amazing things that are happening here and that they're getting to experience Vacation Bible School, um, that they have gone to daycare here. And this place is really like a second home to them. They are so comfortable here. They love coming here for Wednesday night meals and they love coming here to church on Sunday mornings as a family, and that's something that's really special to us. If you ask one of our kids, where's Jesus? Their answer is, it, he's in my heart. And um, it's just always been important for us that they know that God and Jesus is with them all the time. And anytime that they're scared or nervous about, about something, um, we just remind them and let them know that Jesus is right there with them. It's just something that we've always just wanted them to feel very natural with and it's just always been a part of their life. Being a mom, it has its challenges. It is the most rewarding thing that I've ever done and it's also the most challenging thing I've ever done. In the past 11 weeks since we've added the twins to our family, um, it's been a little chaotic and there's been times where I have just broken down and been like, I have no idea what I'm doing and I don't know if I can do this. and. Um, just praying to God and asking for Him to be there with me, give me the right words to say, to give me the patience, to give me the grace. With uh, my oldest being six and my youngest two being 11 weeks, they're all still pretty reliant on me and my husband to do a lot of stuff for them and you're just pulled in a lot of different directions. So to know that um, we don't have to have all the answers, that God has all the answers. I've been blessed immensely with having a lot of friends who are young moms and are going through a lot of the same challenges. Having one kid or having five kids, there's challenges that come with all of those things and we're all going through the same things. On the other side of it is there's moms that their kids are all grown. I've been connected with a mom who has five grown kids and she's been checking up on me, bringing meals and um, just caring for me in ways that she knows that I need and I don't even know that I need. You have to learn to accept help and um, the awesome thing about Hope is there's a lot of people that truly care about you and truly care about your family and are willing to help out. You don't have to do it all and you don't have to know it all. You'll learn as you go and um, just soak up every minute and every second with your kids because everybody says that they grow so fast and um, pretty soon they'll be out there in the world and you just have to trust God that you have um, raised them in a way that's loving and caring and that they're going to be a positive um, person in the world and live out His will for their life. My hope for all five of my kids is that they always know how much they're loved, not, not just by me or their dad or their family or their friends, but most importantly by God and that they, they were put here for a reason and He loved them even before they existed. 
and I just want them to carry that out with them each and every day and know that if they're having a bad day, he's with them and they can turn to him even when I can't be there. Give God praise for Carly and her testimony, her story. If you've been around Hope for more than a few weeks, you probably recognize Carly. She's our communications director, and she often, every third week, I think it is, they rotate it, uh, is the narrator and the host for our Hope 360 video that goes out to all of our campuses of Hope uh, all over Iowa. And so now you know a little bit more of the rest of her uh, crazy life story. How she and Joey met at 17. She grew up in this church. She and her family have been coming here for uh, over two decades now, I, I'm pretty sure, at least, and she's seen it grow, as she said, from small to, to very large, and is blessed to be a part of that. She's also one of the strongest leaders we have in the church uh, as our communications director. She leads a large team, and she uh, just brings so many wonderful, uh, refreshing ideas and concepts, and she's great with her team, and they love her, and that's just Carly. She's, she's sharp, uh, she's brilliant, she is a faithful mom. But I hope you noticed that it's not just a story of hope for Carly, but it's a story of help. She has lots of support from her family and from Joey's family uh, for these five kids, uh, but she also gets a lot of support from you, from this church. There's a woman in the church who is also the mother of five kids, only she's an empty nester now with her husband. Her kids have all grown up and are off to college and beyond. And she has obviously a heart for Carly uh, and her situation. And so she's reached out to Carly and provides, um, as Carly said in the video, things for us that I didn't even know I needed. Uh, and she comes alongside and sometimes it's okay to admit you need help. That's the thing about the sermon you're going to hear today. And really I'm just the MC. Uh, you're going to hear the sermon today from Carly and from Jody and from Joyce, three women who've been a part of our Hope family for two decades or more, who uh, come at this Mother's Day from widely varying seasons of life. Uh, Carly's a young mother of five, this wonderful surprise and blessing in her life. Uh, and then others are coming at it from different perspectives. And in the midst of it, though, you'll hear some common threads. You'll hear uh, what Carly said from the other two women who are preaching with me today, that grace is so central and so important. And passing on the faith to kids is the heart of a faithful mom, is to give our kids something that's going to last. I don't think I need to spend a lot of time convincing you of the value of passing on faith to kids, although in this culture with all the noise and all the distractions, and all the other things that moms and dads feel pressure to get their kids involved in because if they don't, they don't feel like they're living up to uh, being a good enough parent. Of all the things that we can point our kids to, even the good ones, I mean, there are a lot of good things we can point our kids to. We can teach them how to throw a ball. We can, we can teach them teamwork we can, uh, from experiences they have uh, with other kids and teams. We can, we can teach them uh, uh, right from wrong. We can teach them moral values. Those things are so important. We can, we can teach them how to be a, a good person to the people around them. Of all the good things that we can teach our kids, and those are all good things, the greatest and most valuable gift that we can pass on to our kids is the gift of faith. And the reason I don't need to spend a long time convincing you of the value of that is faith is the only, only thing that's guaranteed to last forever. A relationship with Jesus Christ. All those other things can come and go. All those other things fade in and out of our lives. 
but the greatest gift that you, out of love for our kids that you and I can pass on to the next generation is a relationship with the God of creation. The relationship with the God who showed up for us in the person of Jesus Christ and establishes salvation and new life for us. Who's there for us in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. The other common thread uh, among a few others that you're going to hear in these sermons today from these, these women at Hope, these moms, is the importance of that grace, that presence of God in their lives and in the lives of the children that they want to instill that grace upon. And so it's Mother's Day and we're going to celebrate today. Happy Mother's Day to all of you at all of the campuses, wherever you are. Hopefully you were given a white carnation on the way in. That's Mother's Day tradition in the United States of America. That's how it all started. Maybe you think Mother's Day started with a brunch or, or Mother's Day started with, uh, you know, uh, a Hallmark card campaign. It wasn't that at all. It was a woman named Anna Jarvis who in 1908 showed up at her church and wanted to honor her mom and all the moms in the community and in the congregation. And so she felt the best way to do that was to hand out white carnations to every, get this part, man, woman, and child who showed up for church that day in honor of all the moms. I don't know where somewhere along the way that turned into just give flowers to the moms. We don't do that here. Years ago, we tried to give carnations to the men too, but the men of hope did not receive that well. And so <laughs> we let that go. And now we just give the carnations to all women who are... More gracious, I suppose, in a lot of ways, generally speaking. And so they receive them. So if you, didn't, if you are a woman of any age, from the youngest child to the oldest, and you didn't get a carnation on the way in, get one on the way out and say, I got gypped. Give me two on the way out if we have any left. But I think we do. So happy Mother's Day. This is a day of great celebration. Moms reflect the grace of God to their kids. That's what faithful moms do. They pass along the most valuable, everlasting gift that any kid could ever receive. Certainly my story, my dad had a part to play in that too, but it was my mom who was there with me at home teaching me how to read the Bible after school and, and instilling the importance of prayer before I went to sleep at night and before meals and doing daily devotions. It, it was my mom who did those things and my dad came along for the ride. That's my advice, by the way, to men today. Whatever happens, it's just let the agenda not be yours. Just follow along, smile, and praise God that there's a woman who loves you enough to be with you today. I think that's just a great thing. Happy, you don't have to clap for that, but it is a word from the Lord, yeah. We have a lot to celebrate today. Moms are one of God's greatest inventions, but if we're gonna be honest, and we always strive for that here at Hope, because we know that honesty is the truth that sets us free, we're gonna admit that Mother's Day often hurts too. And specifically, for some of you who are sitting here or whatever campus you're at right now hearing my voice, or if you're watching online somewhere because you didn't feel like you could come to church today, it's just too sensitive, it just hurts too much. Mother's Day specifically because it's Mother's Day is like a full-blown challenge and almost an endurance test for you. And there could be a lot of reasons. There are couples, men and women both, who battle and struggle through infertility issues. And this church is filled with young couples who are dealing with that hurt and that mourning. And I use that word not carelessly. It is mourning and it is grief and it is sorrow 
and it's very real and it's very deep. And to just try to excuse it away or just come up with some flippant phrase to say this ought to fix it and make you feel better, it's not helpful. Stop. Just love and support and encourage and pray. There are uh, moms in this church who are grieving the death of a child, and that's devastating. And so Mother's Day hurts. There are children in this church who are grieving the death of a mom, whether they're young children or adult children, and that hurts and that's real. There are relationships between moms and kids of all ages that are tense at best, that have unresolved issues and unresolved conflicts. And that makes this day a, a little bit of a different kind of shade to it. And it isn't all joy and happiness. There's a sense of uh, disappointment, a sense of frustration, a sense of I wish it could be, but it isn't. So the Bible says this, it says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That's what we do as the church, as children of God, as the body of Christ. We rejoice with those who are rejoicing today and we mourn with those who mourn. We're, we're doing both. It's not one or the other and mourning doesn't mean we aren't rejoicing and rejoicing doesn't mean we aren't mourning. Because depending on your situation, it's time for us to do both and so we're going to intentionally do both today. We're celebrating God's grace for moms and this gift of motherhood, but we're also pausing here at the beginning of the sermon to say, let's stop and let's do something a little bit unusual for a sermon. I'm going to stop the sermon and we're going to pray. But rather than you just sitting there and listening to the preacher pray a prayer and, and maybe at the end you say amen, I, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. Now, I realize I'm preaching to Lutherans, and so you, to ask you to pray out loud is just too much too soon. So I'm going to let you pray silently from your heart. Just lift it up before God. The Bible promises that the Holy Spirit hears the prayers that are on our hearts and intercedes and articulates them with words and brings them to the throne of God. Pray your heart. Lift up your heart for the people who are sitting around you right now who you know are hurting. And some of you are in that situation. Or if you don't know anybody who's hurting sitting near you right now, understand that they are. They're sitting right in front of you or right behind you or on your left or on your right or across the aisle. But assuredly they're here. And they need your prayers. And they need your blessing. And they need your support. And they need God's presence. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? And then the powerful proclamation follows. Next verse, my help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. And as a part of the body of this Lord Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Those who are strong, to pray for those who are feeling weak today. Those who are celebrating today, pray for those who are hurting today. Whether you know who they are or not, I want you to pray. And if you're the person who's hurting, you just be. You just sit and bask in the glow of the reality that you have a whole congregation of thousands of people praying for you right now, specifically for you. And the Holy Spirit knows who you are and knows who we're praying for, even if we don't. Lift up your prayers. Gracious Lord God, we pray for those who are hurting today. We pray that you would make your presence and your peace and your grace known to them in a profoundly impactful way, particularly because on this Mother's Day they're hurting. We pray for them as sisters or as brothers in Christ, both, whatever their situation, whatever their challenge, whatever their hurt. And we pray for your blessing upon them and for them to know that they're loved 
sincerely and deeply by you and by their church family. Hear the prayers on our hearts that we lift up silently before you. And maybe even a few of them will come out as whispers out of our mouths. Hear our prayers, God, silent and spoken. In Jesus' name. God, let the people in our church family know that they're loved who are hurting the most today. Bless them. Surround them with your strength, your power, your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, ah, don't you feel better? I do. <laughs> it's good to pray. It's good to love. It's good to be the body of Christ, to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Jody knows about both of those things. A lot of you will recognize Jody. She's been around Hope for, as I said before, 20 plus years. When she first showed up at Hope, she showed up as a single mom with her infant daughter, Bailey, who is now graduating from college and going to law school. That just happened, like in two years. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Jody um, joined a worship band here at Hope because she's gifted as a musician, and she met Mark, who was a guitar player, and they fell in love, and they started to live happily ever after. They had two more kids who are pictured there, Lauren and Grant, and their happily ever after life started to progress. I was honored to officiate at their wedding right across the hall here in the West Des Moines campus in what used to be our sanctuary and is now the bridge. It was a great day, it was a great celebration. And seeing them welcome new kids into this world and into their family was great days and great celebrations. We rejoice together and we suffer and we mourn together. But Jody's story is a story of mountaintops and valleys. She's a writer now, a, a blogger, a rather famous blogger. You might not know this, but a sister in your own church has people who are reading her blog from all over the world, mostly widows and single moms, people who can relate to her story and her honesty and her faith and her strength. Listen to Jody's story, the highs and the lows. I was a single mom with my firstborn um, for about nine years, but I knew that God had a plan for my life and I, um, he used that time to really strengthen my relationship with him and to deepen and widen my faith. There's this saying that I remember seeing one time when I was single uh, that was, you don't find the right person until you've become the right person. And I think that God just had some more work to do on me before he answered my prayer. So he got me as ready as I guess he thought I needed to be. And um, I met Mark. And um, my life changed just dramatically when I met him. We met at a worship band. Um, I'm kind of a sucker for guitar players. <laughs> and he was an awesome one. We got married and he adopted my oldest, Bailey, and had uh, two more children. So I have three kids. Several years ago, he was diagnosed with a neurological disease um, that, similar to ALS, but different. It slowly took away all of his abilities besides um, his brilliant mind. About a year ago, he um, passed away. And again, my life was completely changed. Mm -hmm. 
fast forward, I'm uh, about a little over a year into being a widow and a single mom again, which is not my choice <laughs> by any means, but I just have a great faith that this pain, this suffering, if you will, is not for nothing, that it is, um, there's purpose for it. If we're truthful about what we're dealing with, but also um, point people to God as, the, as a solution, um, that maybe it was a way to turn our pain into purpose. What I discovered early on in my grief was that, you know, how much I required extra grace and how many people I encountered where I'm like, Ugh, they require extra grace. And I was thinking, you know what? We all require extra grace, which is why God gives it so freely. So it's not just a joke, you know, for annoying people. We're all annoying people. <laughs> we all need extra grace. And so I hope that my kids, um, that they use the, the pain that they have experienced at a young age to not only realize um, how awesome their God is and how not alone they are, but it, that it also strengthens their empathy muscle and makes them aware, makes their vision clearer to the pain and suffering of the people around them. I hope that every day that they know how loved they are, not just by me, but by their God. I know that you know, I could sit here as a mom and wish that they will always be happy and always healthy and never encounter troubles, but that is not this life. When life tries to kick the self-esteem out of them, I want them to know at their core that their God thinks that they are awesome and that their God has broad shoulders and can take whatever it is that they're battling. You know, they saw firsthand how faith got their dad and I through his illness. They saw how Mark's faith um, sustained him through a very, very difficult situation. So they saw, they had a front row seat to that. I know that it can be overwhelming and isolating and lonely and stressful and tiring. But I just want to remind you of 1 Peter 5, 7 cast your anxiety onto him because he cares for you. And that, among a million other verses, um, offer uh, us reminders that we need to pay attention to, that we are not alone, even when it feels like we're alone. And to be honest with your emotions and be honest with your struggles, because if we keep them in the dark and don't talk about all the things that are awkward to talk about, like our all of our vulnerabilities, um, we can't find help or healing. And so just put it in the light. All I wish for for the last 21 years is that every no one would fight and that they'd clean their rooms. But 21 years and counting and we're not there yet, but you know, nobody's perfect. I just want love. <laughs>
can imagine what it would be like to walk the road Jody's had to walk. Where does the strength come from? How can she smile? How can she laugh? How can she have joy? Where does the peace come from, which passes all human understanding, which the world isn't going to get and doesn't understand and won't be able to find anywhere else? Where does the strength come from? It comes from grace. It comes from God's grace, which is why I think it's so poignantly perfect that the name of her blog that's so popular is called extragracerequired.com. That it's God's grace for her and God's grace through her to her kids and to the world around her that really models the Christ-centered life for everybody who knows Jody and sees her. She isn't perfect. That's the other common thread you'll hear in these stories from Carly and Jody and Joyce in just a couple of minutes that they don't claim to be perfect and they know how, well, when you know you're not perfect, you know how much you need God's grace. But you'll also hear this common thread in these stories of the women who are preaching to you today from your church family. You'll hear stories of moms who desperately yearn to pass on the faith to their kids. The faith that's seen them through the highs and the lows and everything in between. They know how valuable it is. They know how important it is. They know how essential it is. And so they live above and beyond anything else to pass that on, to share that faith with the world around them. Next week, we're going to be focusing and wrapping up our You Asked For It sermon series with an open Q&A with the pastors. Uh, that was something we've never tried before. You're writing the sermon, and we'll just respond to your questions. But today, the question is, on Mother's Day, how can we pass on faith to our kids? Paul gives us a pretty strong uh, hint in 2 Timothy chapter 1. It, it, let me set the scene for you just a little bit more here. I think this verse will mean more to you. Paul's an old pastor, retired almost now, knows he's toward the end of his ministry. And he's learned a lot from experience. Experience as a way of teaching any of us in any vocation all sorts of things. Paul, as this wise mentor, is passing down what he's learned to young Timothy, who's this new young pastor who in today's world would be just coming out of seminary. And so Paul mentors Timothy, and that's what First and Second Timothy is in your New Testament. It's Paul writing to Timothy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, about what really matters in life. What, what, what to focus on in, in life and in ministry and as a pastor. And so Paul says at the beginning of his second letter to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, which, you first, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Notice that Paul doesn't say it was your dad or your grandpa or a rabbi or a priest or a pastor who taught you this faith. It was your mom and your grandma. And the way they did it is they modeled it for you. They showed you what faith looks like by living it out. And now you've inherited this same faith. And so it lives in you, Timothy. It lives in you because children learn what they live. Children are going to almost always be way more likely to end up like mom and dad. And so if you want your kids to pray but you don't pray, it's time for you to start praying with your kids. If you want your kids to read the Bible but you don't read the Bible, it's time for you to start reading the Bible with them. If you want your kids to have faith when they're adults, it's time for you to show it in your life as an adult. There is this responsibility that God gives to us as parents to be the frontline evangelists for our kids. And if we don't do it, who's going to do it? 
So wasn't that the church's job? We bring our kids to church for 70 minutes uh, uh, once a month on Sunday when we can work it out with our busy schedule. And isn't that enough to instill Christianity in their hearts? Probably not. Truth be told, we'll do the best we can. But it's really not on us. We're a partner in this with you. We're here to supplement what you're doing at home, to echo it, to deepen it, to strengthen it, to, to take them places that maybe you aren't able to take them. But it's you. You're the ones who have to model it at home. And if they don't see Christ-centered life in you, there's only so much we can do in 70 minutes once a month or even once a week. That, that the competition and the noise outside in the world is way too loud and way too strong. So is it any wonder that a lot of kids who've grown up in the last generation are falling away from faith? Because it wasn't a priority at home. It wasn't modeled at home. No, nobody showed them what it means to live out the Christian life. This is how Timothy became a Christian and he isn't the only one. We have uh, mentors in our own church family. I want you to hear Joyce's story. She's the mom of four with John, Jody, Jane, Janelle, and Jackie. They like the letter J. She's a grandma of 15. She's a retired nurse, and she's a section leader. They usually sit right over here at this service. So those of you who are sitting in rows two, three, four, and five in this section right here, you are blessed and lucky to be sitting there today because the Feddersons were here last night. Uh, threw me off completely. I didn't know what to think of that. But they were here last night and are celebrating Mother's Day uh, today at, at, for brunch. So they came to church last night because they always find a way to come to church. She's the section leader because she shows up every Sunday in the same section and that's where her daughters and her grandkids and the whole family finds each other every week. It's just a habit. It's a really good habit. Do you want to pass on faith to your kids? Listen to the wisdom of our elders. Listen to what really matters the most. It might surprise you. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations and laws and need to know all the details and memorize all these scriptures. It's reflecting the love and the grace of God to your kids. Letting it be real in you. Letting it be honest. Your need for that grace too because of your own flaws and sin and frailty. And it's also making a habit out of putting God first. Take a look. We have four daughters. Uh, their names are Jody Dittmar. She lives... She and her husband moved to California. Second daughter, Jane Patton, is a member of this church. And the third daughter is Janelle Holmes. And also, she and her family all attend and are active here. And our youngest daughter is Jackie Mott, uh, who also, she and her twin girls and family attend Hope. We have 15 grandchildren. Our oldest grandchild is 32, and our youngest grandchild just turned eight. It keeps us active that we're that we have young grandchildren. We do run around like crazy people, going to every event one of our grandkids would have, because it gives them the message that what they're doing is valued. We sit in the same seats, the same section every Sunday, so that when the kids arrive, they can find us. Taking the kids to church on Sundays, we just knew that that's what you do on Sunday. It wasn't something we had to stop and think about or talk about. You, I have to practice what you preach. Modeling is where it's at. And that meant when you get a job, that means you can't be working on Sunday. That sometimes is tough. 
But, and that's been true for our grandkids too. They've gotten the same message from their parents that Sunday's the sacred day and that's what we'll be doing. We have really lived um, with the knowledge that God has just blessed us over and over and over. Doesn't mean we haven't really had some tragedies, we haven't had some struggles. He promised us that would happen. <laughs> and so we just are really aware how He stays by our side and really looks after us. I would like to just convey how much less traumatic it is raising a family when you stay in God's hands. Everybody prays, the kids too, and you just can get through crises so much easier. Not easy, but to just feel like you're in Jesus' hands. The stage that we're in now is that our kids kind of take care of us. I mean, they, they've learned that from the way they saw us with our parents, and now they look out for us. So we just are so blessed. The best thing about being a mom is uh, the connection with, with my kids in terms of being a friend, in terms of having a disagreement, uh, in terms of being learning how to be more tolerant of each other. Uh, I love to sit around the dining room table and, and hear the kids tell stories about um, stupid things their mother has done. <laughs> and history, way back, I don't even remember some of it that they tell, and at least I pretend I don't remember. Just the connection with them each and to see them with their faith is it's just a mountaintop experience. You just know this is not an exact science and that some days I walk around and go, what was wrong with me? <laughs> that I would say or do a thing like that to my kids. And you know what's fun is now I hear my daughters saying, well, I sure messed up today and you just have to be gentle with yourself. Give God praise for Joyce, too. Grace, give yourself some grace. Maybe you're hearing this and you're feeling a bunch of guilt or shame. You know, I didn't do a good job. I should have done this or should have prayed. Maybe your kids are 37 and he's like, well, I missed the opportunity. No, you didn't. You can still plant seeds of faith. Find the transferable principles in this. Find opportunities. Don't push, invite, encourage. Model the Christian faith. Live it out. Joyce talks about that grace and the need for that grace and how important that grace is and admitting I made such goofy mistakes with my kids and now they realize they're making goofy mistakes with their kids. We're living in grace. Set that culture at home. Set, set the idea that nobody is here to try to be perfect. That's not possible. It's impossible to live up to that. We're living in God's grace. What a wonderful Christ-centered way to live. To not take ourselves too seriously, but to take God very seriously. The wisdom of moms and grandmas in our midst who've learned this from life, from the experiences of life. But did you notice Joyce also said how important it was to make faith a priority? That other things important, good things even, don't get in the way. 
that it's part of who we are and how we talk, the way Lois and Eunice did for Timothy once upon a time, the way Benita does for Pastor Jeremy. You know, the pastors get seen around here a lot. We stand up, we preach, we teach, we lead classes, we lead retreats. Uh, we, we're, we're public. You, you see us a lot. Do you know who you don't see who has as much to do with this church existing and, and being the kind of church that it is? It's our moms. It's the people behind the scenes. And so I want to take just a minute and show you the moms of the pastors at Lutheran Church of Hope. I want you to see the power of God's grace pouring out through their lives and the difference. Jeremy is the kind of pastor he is and the kind of faithful man that he is in large part because of Benita, because of her. It's the faith of a mom, the strength of a mom, the, the, the grace of a mom. Here's uh, intern pastor Ellie's mom, Rita. And, and Ellie said, she was a looker, Pastor Mike, back in her day, wasn't she? Here's uh, Pastor Ben's mom, Marcy. There was a way more embarrassing picture of Ben from when he was in fourth grade that he paid me not to show, but I still have it. So one of these days, come on back. Here's uh, Pastor Richard's mom, Carol. Yes, that's Pastor Richard with a mullet, if you look real close. <laughs> Business in the front, party in the back. That's Pastor Richard when he graduated from seminary. And he graduated from seminary because... He saw it in his mom. She passed it on. She didn't have to say it. She didn't say, Richard, you have to go to seminary and be a pastor. He lived it. He saw it at home. Here's Pastor Andy's mom, Karen, the same kind of thing. Here's, here's uh, uh, intern Pastor Amanda's mom, Cindy, who's right here, and a lot of you will recognize her with a lot of her grandkids. Here's uh, Luisa's mom, Nina, who isn't his biological mom, but was a maternal mentor in his life. Here's uh, our chaplain Pam's mom, Bev, cutest thing ever, isn't she? Here's uh, Pastor Eric's mom, Andre, from our Johnston Grimes campus. Here's Pastor Pat's mom, Karen, uh, Pat from our Waukee campus. Here's uh, uh, Pastor John from our Des Moines campus, his mom Sandy, who's a chaplain at an assisted living center in Story City. Does this surprise you? One thing leads to another. It's been modeled for us by our moms at home in every single case. Here's Pastor Scott's mom, Annie, who Scott thought this was funny. These are Hope Ankeny pastor. Annie was taking her first ever selfie, can you tell? And she's kind of trying to work it out as she goes. And here's my mom, Delphine, who's sitting right over there on her 80th birthday. Praise God for all the moms. They modeled it for us, and that's what you can do too. It's never too late, and if you aren't doing it and you've got younger kids at home, start. Start today. Start modeling it, and when I say model it, I don't mean rules and regulations and getting legalistic and, and, and the, the shame on you and using Christianity as a club to beat your kids up. Does that sound like Jesus to you? I'm talking about living like Jesus lived. I'm talking about living with love and grace for people, about talking freely about God, about making prayer and Bible uh, stories and devotions a priority, about making weekly worship a priority. Model the Christian life. Let them see it in you. 
Because if they don't see it in you, it's going to be very hard for them to develop it as kids or as adults. Teach them the basics. We're here to supplement that, as I said before, as a church, through Hope Kids, Power Life, Confirmation for Junior High, Ignition, uh, our awesome high school ministry. Uh, we have young adult ministries called Revive. We have all these things available. Vacation Bible School this summer is a ridiculous, off-the-charts revival for kids. I've never seen anything like it before. But it's not enough. It has to start with you teaching them the basics at home. It has to teach them the, the foundations of our Christian faith. Teach them uh, what we believe. Teach them the, the boundaries of the Ten Commandments. Te teach them the Bible. Teach them how to pray. Teach them the faith. And then third, connect them to the church. These aren't just my ideas, they're a summary of all the research that's out there. There's a book that came out recently called Building Sticky Faith. It says the church has a responsibility, and we take this very seriously, that we would welcome children as Jesus did, as a priority, as a part of the church right now, not just a nuisance, not just something we have to push off to the side, but an important part of who we are right now, that we involve teens in all church worship. Alicia just did the Bible reading here at this campus at the 11 o'clock service. Nice job. That we would have opportunities and open doors for kids to get involved. It makes a huge difference. It, to make room for uh, teens to serve younger kids in, in Sunday school and children's ministries, for teens to have connections with those of you who are adults, whether you have kids or not, to be mentors for them. I can tell you my own story with our kids. I think their mom had the most to do with the fact that as adults now, off on their own, they all embraced their Christian faith in their 20s. I'd like to think that I had a little bit of a supplemental role in that at home too. But the other part of that is you. Thank you. Thank you for teaching the faith to our kids. Thank you for showing them what a grace-based church looks like. Thank you for showing them what a Christ-centered church looks like. Thank you to those of you who individually took our kids under your wings. You truly did. And they come home to visit us and they look for you when they show up at church. They always look for you. Because you taught them Sunday school and you mentored them through Power Life Confirmation and you did those things and now there's this bond. Kids crave that in the church, to have a relationship with adults who aren't their parents, who can help mentor their faith. And our kids had that, and so do thousands of other kids in this church family. Maybe that's something that you could pass on too. And then connect with those students who go to college for the first year. We do that through our highly effective church mouse program. One more thing that I want to leave you with, just to emphasize Statistically, this research came out of Notre Dame University, not exactly a fly-by-night fly research center. It's not like Chuck's, you know, research. It's Notre Dame. They found that even in this culture, where young generations seem to be falling away from their spiritual roots on a regular basis, the reality is it isn't quite so. 82% of young adults in the world today have, grew up with an, have an active Christian faith today because they grew up with a parent or parents who modeled Christ-centered habits. Grace-based living at home, God talk that flowed freely at home, Jesus first as a priority and weekly worship the same. If you do that at home, your kids have statistically an 82% chance of embracing their faith, even in this world, even in this culture where so many are falling away. 82% chance. If you don't, your kids have an 11% chance, according to the research, of having a living, active faith in Jesus Christ when they hit adulthood. 
It doesn't mean it won't happen. The Holy Spirit is moving. We see lots of people in this church who didn't grow up Christians and now they are as adults. It does happen. But the number's pretty powerful. If you want your kids to believe, you're going to have to do more than drop them off at church for 70 minutes once a month. You're going to have to start to model it at home. You're going to have to start to live it out. You're going to want, because you love your kids, to give them a valuable gift that's going to last forever. I praise God for this. Paul writes to Timothy, and he writes in 1 Corinthians 3, our verse from last week, comes to life in a new way today. Plant the seeds, water the seeds, put some grace for you moms and dads, especially if you feel some guilt right now. You say, well, I got kids and I don't think they believe. I think they've fallen away from their faith. Grace for you. It's not your job to make them believe. Sally and I could not make our kids believe. We knew that all along. We knew that there's no way that we can ensure that our kids are going to be Christians when they become adults. But we can plant seeds and we can water them. And the research shows it makes a huge difference. Massive difference. Out of love for the next generation. Those of you who are parents because, uh, uh, moms because you gave birth to children. Those of you who are moms because you adopted children. Those of you who are moms or dads or parental figures to kids because it's the part you play in the world around you. Embrace this responsibility. The Bible points us to it. The research confirms it. It's important. We've got a big responsibility to pass on the faith, to share it with the world around us. And maybe that starts with our own kids, to point them to Jesus Christ alone, the cornerstone, to show them what it means to decide to follow Jesus because we've decided to follow Jesus. So happy Mother's Day, everybody. We have a lot to celebrate today. We have a lot to mourn today. And we have responsibilities to carry, to bring the light of his love to the world around us. Make sure you get a carnation on the way out. I don't want you to get gypped. Men, you could take one too if you're man enough to do it. <laughs> it's tradition. But go out and live out the faith. Live in God's grace. And let the world around you, especially your kids, see it in the way you live so they can get it too. Amen?